Welcome to the My Canine Coach Podcast, a show that coaches dog owners on how to achieve their ideal lifestyle with and for their dogs. You'll hear from canine coach Dana as she breaks down actionable dog training protocols, explores current dog training trends, and shares insights from her own experiences owning and working with dogs. Now, here's your host, canine coach Dana. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the My Canine Coach Podcast. I'm your host, canine coach Dana, and I'm joined by my ever so silent co-host, Loki, my bohemian shepherd, who is going to probably be extremely jealous today that he has to listen to me talk all about play without actually getting to play. (laughs) I'm definitely going to be using some of those words that are going to make him get all excited and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. He's not going to be able to do anything about it. You all know what those words are. Like if you say walk or if you want to go out or let's go outside or treat, I don't know what the words are in your household, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so today's episode is all about the topic of playing with your dog. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because, as I mentioned in our last episode, I went to Ivan Balabanov's training workshop. And if you're not familiar with Ivan or his training style, he is a hugely play-focused trainer. The majority of the skills that he teaches his dogs and behaviors he modifies in his clients' dogs are taught through play. And if you've gone through my online dog training system, you'll remember that I talk about play in the relationship chapter and I credit Ivan for the way that I play with my dogs, with my client dogs, and how I instruct you in that course to play with your puppy. So After spending a three-day workshop centered around play and how incredibly beneficial it is, I want to talk to you guys on here all about it and hopefully inspire you to play more with your dog and to play with a purpose. So when I say play with your dog, I don't mean just to goof around and toss a ball here and there and run around the yard, okay? When I say play... I mean actually play a game with your dog. Games have a purpose. They have rules and they have winners and losers. To get all the benefits of play with your dog, it has to be more than just running around the yard or tossing the ball a few times. If you're already doing that type of playtime, I'm glad to hear it because so many owners I work with don't have play built into their day with their dogs and our dogs crave it. But I want to challenge you to play with your dog in a different way. And actually, before we even talk about that, really quick, I want to go back and explain what I mean when I say that your dog craves to play. It's instinctual for dogs to play, right? When two dogs get together It's rare that they just hang out next to each other. (laughs) No, they play. First, they play, and only when they're tired or they had enough of the game do they then chill out with each other. And dogs really play all day, every day. Anybody who has seen a litter of dogs grow up know that usually there's always play happening at any given moment between two pups or all of the pups. Play is how dogs figure another dog out. Do you like it when I play like this? Can I bite you here? Is this too rough? Do you like chase? Do you like to wrestle? What are your rules? These are my rules. So they learn what's socially acceptable with each playmate, which then helps them avoid conflict and build social bonds. Now, All of that I just explained from a dog-to-dog perspective, but it highlights just how essential play is to them. And whether you notice it or not, your dog is playing a very specific game when it plays with another dog. There are rules like, you can't bite me here, but you can bite my scruff. Or you can't mount me, but you can paw at my side. Or you're not allowed to pin me down, but we can wrestle on the ground, okay? So when I'm talking about playing with your dog, I mean to play a game which has rules and winners and losers and not just to goof around in the yard. I mean, well, there is goofing involved, but um, I'll get to that. 
Okay, so when we play a specific game with our dog, we receive all of the same benefits as the dog-to-dog games create. We become their playmates, so we get to show them through the game how we like to interact with them, how we don't like to interact with them, what our rules are, what our expectations are, what makes us happy and have fun, what makes us upset or not want to play anymore. So our dogs get to learn so much about us and what social rules we expect from each other so that we can avoid conflict and build strong social bonds. All right. And if that's not enough, there's even more benefits to playing games with our dogs, right? Through the game, our dog learns how to be a competitor. And what I mean by that is they learn what they're capable of. This is crucial for our dogs out there who are a bit insecure or hesitant in new situations or anxious or wary, okay? Via the game, these kinds of dogs learn that they can beat us, that they're strong enough, resilient enough, tactful enough, brave enough to become the winner of the game, which, pun intended, is a game changer for these pups. Even if you have a pretty stable, confident, or maybe even an overly confident dog, games still build them up and enhance those parts of them. And that's not even it. I'm not even done talking about the benefits. There's more. Play teaches your dog problem-solving skills. If they're on the brink of losing the game... They have to, in that moment, come up with a new strategy to win. And that teaches them how to become tactful, how to solve the current problem they're facing in a split second. It also teaches them great body awareness. So learning how to move in the game to stay on top or to win or to stay competitive. And here's a big one. It exhausts them right? We want happy, fulfilled, tired dogs. And this, of course, checks that box. But what about the fact that your dog, if you play enough and you prioritize it enough, starts to view you as the best thing in the world? There's something about play and how instinctually natural it is for our dogs that translates it into us becoming the be-all and all the center of their universe. If you want a dog that doesn't really care about anyone or anything else but you, then nothing is really going to get you to become that thing in their mind like the way play will. Not even food. Food is transactional. You give it, and then the moment is over. It rises and sets with your dog's satiation. So if your dog is satiated, well, they don't really need you. What the heck do they need you for? They're not hungry. And if the only thing that you give them or the focus or emphasis of your relationship is based on the fact that you give them food, then in those moments, you're not the center of their universe because that's not the main priority to them in that moment. But play is so instinctual that it's like dogs can't ignore it when the opportunity arises to play. And so if you become the best playmate for them, then you always can get their focus and their attention back on you. Even in sticky situations, you get to become that be-all, end-all center of the universe for them. And lastly, and I know I've been harping on like all these benefits, but I like to kind of set up why we're talking about play before I go into some of the games that I want to talk about. But lastly, we can utilize play to train our dogs. So once we've taught them the game and they've grown to really enjoy it, we can use playtime as training time and teach them obedience or use play to overcome behavioral issues. And the list goes on and on and on. And I've been going on and on and on. But play can be utilized for training. It's how Ivan trains his dogs or works with behavior cases. And so after attending the workshop, 
and knowing that play is such a important aspect of the way that I interact with Loki and how I've built our relationship. I really wanted to get on here and talk about it with you guys. Both of the dogs that I've owned, Coda, who was my first dog, I shouldn't say my, I should say our and give Andrew credit here. <laughs> uh, Coda was our first dog, Andrew and I, Andrew's my husband, for those of you who don't know. Um, he was a cattle dog and we had him for two and a half years before he suddenly passed away. And then we got Loki and both of them, I really emphasized play. A lot of their flashy and impressive obedience skills, I taught them through play. So there you go. There's my secret. My secret's out. <laughs> both of them. I first taught them things like sit and down and recall on uh, come into middle or, you know, whatever it is with food. But then I really solidified those behaviors or those commands or obedience through play. And by that, I mean, I made the things that they already knew look really flashy and powerful by incorporating those obedience commands into an activity that puts my dogs in a highly aroused athletic state, which means that those skills look super sharp and amazing. With food, when I said, you know, down, my dog would lay down for sure, but when play was involved, if I said down, they would drop to the ground as fast as possible. And this is because when we're playing the game, we're training at a different intensity level that I just couldn't fabricate with food. I'm amping my dog up to a super high arousal level with play and then challenging them to control themselves and still carry out commands. It's really, really fun actually. And if you want to do training like that, you can reach out and we can get going on it. But something to keep in mind too is even though I've been talking about teaching my dogs through play and how it made all of their commands look highly impressive and everything was super sharp and very fast, it does add excitement to those commands. So if you want your dog to be the calm dog that holds it down while you're eating at a cafe for like a half hour, then I wouldn't recommend training through play, right? You wouldn't want high arousal and excitement paired or associated with your commands. I would stick with food as the way to reward your dog in the case of wanting a really stable, calm dog. But I digress. And um, that can very well be a topic in and of itself for another episode. But for the purpose of this episode, I just wanted to talk about games themselves and teach you how to play them so that you can reap all of those really amazing benefits that we talked about in the beginning of this episode. And if you are interested in play style training, you can get a jump start on that type of training. And honestly, this may very well turn into the 20 minute block in your day when you seriously are just having the best time. When I play with Loki or when I played with Coda, those times in my day were when I felt utterly amazing and still get to feel that now with Loki. I forget what's happening around me. I forget how long I've been playing, which sometimes gets me into trouble because then I'm like late to calls or things, but it just makes me really happy. And so I lose track of time. I laugh really, really hard and I make the silliest of sounds at the top of my voice. Sorry, neighbors. I mean, I just, honestly, I look like a complete goofball, but I don't really care because I love Loki for giving me the space to feel free like that every single day. So play games with your dog. If you take anything away from this episode, it's that. Play games with your dog. All right, so let's get into the games. Now there's two of them. Depending on how long this runs, I may do a part one and a part two of this episode. We'll see. But I do need to credit Ivan Balabanov here, even though I kind of already did in the beginning. These two games were developed by him, and it's from him that I learned how to play these. So I always want to give credit where credit is due. 
the first game that I'm going to coach you through during this episode is Tug. And Ivan, if you look up his training style or his training content, you'll see that he calls this possession games. And I might get crucified on here by his loyal fan base for calling it Tug, but I like to keep things simple when I can. And Tug is a very natural, normal word for most people who just generally own like a pet dog to know what that is. So even though I'm going to say Tug, know that this comes from Ivan and it's called Possession Games in his world. Um, And remember that we're playing a game. This is not your average Tug, if you will. You've probably actually seen two dogs play tug with a stick or something. And this game can go on for some time when the dogs are really evenly matched. Neither dog relents and both end up vying to be the winner for a really long period of time. They take chances when they see openings to yank on the stick um, and they'll hold really tight and really strong when they know they're at a disadvantage. And so we're going to play that game that our dogs instinctively already know how to play with other dogs, but we're going to take it and add some human-to-dog rules. Now, tug is all about battling. Each player has a goal of winning the toy, but I don't want this to be confused with possessing the toy at all costs. When you teach tug as a game, you and your dog play together. Your dog feels challenged to outmaneuver you for the toy. They do want to win, and so do you in the game. You're both battling for the prize. And when either player wins it from the other, you quickly switch into defense, tapping into your skills and strength to prevent the other player from winning the toy back. But, and this is a big but, you still offer that opportunity to win the toy back to the other player, okay? Because I know that there is a concern that floats around the dog training and the dog ownership world that makes families or owners fearful of teaching their dog to tug because they've heard or they think that it's going to lead to aggression, I want to talk about that really quick, okay? Although I would love to classify that as a myth, I can't really 100% say that teaching your dog to tug isn't going to lead to aggression because if you treat this game like it's a, it's mine and you can't ever have it, I'm never going to let you get close to getting it back, then yeah, your dog is going to want to resource guard their toys because you always end up taking them away and then they never get the toy back. It's like playing ball with a ball hog. You end up not wanting to give the ball hog the ball during the game because they never reciprocate. They never pass it. They never really play with the team. They never give it back. It's just all about them. They just try to do everything they can by themselves to win. And it's really frustrating. Nobody really wants to play with them. Those are the people that don't get picked. They don't get invited to go to the park to play. And in a dog world, in the, in the mindset of a dog, what that looks like is the dog standing over its toys, growling when you walk by them when they have a toy, or snapping at you when you go to reach for it. Because in their mind, you're the ball hog. You're the one who takes the toy and then doesn't share it with the rest of your teammates. And so they don't want to play with you. So that's why they end up becoming a resource guarder or it ends up developing into a form of aggression. So although I would love to classify that teaching tug would never result in a dog becoming aggressive, I can't really say that 100% because if you just do it wrong in the sense that if you treat it like I need that thing. I'm going to take it and keep it at all costs and you're never going to get it back. Then yeah, that is probably going to lead your dog to want to guard their things. So what we learned is let's not do that. We're not going to be the ball hog. We're going to celebrate 
our wins, when we have them, when we're playing the game, if we won the thing, we're going to celebrate it. But we're always going to give the other player, a.k.a. our dog, the opportunity to win the toy back. That's the fun of this game. The best part of it is the grueling battle part. Now, when we're battling, we're not going to make it super easy, right? There's going to be some teasing involved and a little bit of, ooh, hey, look what I got. Come and get it if you can once we win it. But that's really the fun of the game, too. It's playful. A dog that is concerned with maintaining control over an item because they want to guard it, they'll just guard it. And you'll tell right away in their body language that they don't want you to come near them while they have it. And they're not going to do anything that could be considered as their attempt to allow you to playfully try to win it back, right? They're never going to offer that back to you. So that's the distinction of what separates Tug as a game rather than a accidental way of teaching or building a resource guarding mentality, right? We want to be playful and we want to give our dogs the opportunity to win the toy back if we ourselves win it. We're never going to just steal it and never let them have it again. And if we do that, our dog will reciprocate. They'll realize that our aim is not to acquire this thing and keep it to ourselves. They'll realize that we actually do want to play with them and then they'll reciprocate that back to us. Now, Tug is my favorite out of the two games that I'm going to talk to you guys about when it comes to building up a dog's confidence. And that's because it's all about the battling part, the gloating and the slight teasing that happens when you win. It's the perfect game to help a dog realize that they're capable and they're strong and powerful when they didn't think that they were before. And this is because in the beginning, when we start playing this game for the first time with our dog, we're going to let them win a lot. As they get better at the game, we'll do more winning. So at the beginning, it looks a lot like they win probably like 85% of the time. And then as they get better and more competitive, then maybe they're winning 65% of the time. But then once they really have it down, and they're fully confident in themselves and their strength and their power. Honestly, good luck winning the toy back against them because <laughs> it becomes really hard on the human end of the tug to win that toy back. But honestly, that's the whole point is to challenge your dog to give it their max and to help them learn what their max is. Most dogs don't know what their max is. And this game offers them a safe way for you to show them how mighty they actually are and to change their mindset, if they have this type of mindset, to change it from, I don't know if I can do that, to watch me. I got this. So let's get to playing. Before we play and give our dogs the toy and start the game, I first want you to say some word or phrase that lets your dog know that it's game time. It's a cue that you can give to let them know, oh, it's about to be on. Now, I like the word ready. Now, I just said that and Loki's head just like totally perked up and tilted at me, which is so mean because I'm not going to play with him at all. And that's his cue. But I had to say that so you guys could hear it. Use Whatever feels right for you. I really like short cues, but you can say, are you ready or ready to play or want to play? Whatever you want, use it. But just make sure when you say it, you are excited. Notice how I said Loki's phrase. I said ready and it was this really drawn out, high voice, lots of anticipation built up into it. It's obvious by my tone, that we're about to do something awesome. And this is a cue that I want you to use before you start playing Tug or before you start playing Fetch, which is the second game that I'm going to cover. It applies to both because it just means in general that we're about to play. So having a starting cue is important for your dog to know. It gives them clarity about when it's playtime and will also have a cue 
that lets them know when playtime is over. These two cues will allow us to control our dog's state of arousal. We can switch them on with our ready cue, and we can downshift them back to baseline when the game ends with our all done cue. So for a game over cue, I like to use all done. When I say that, there is no more playing. They can keep the toy for all I care, but I'm not going to be playing with them anymore. If you give in and play again after you've said all done, you'll lose the lovely benefit of teaching your dog a all done cue, which basically becomes an off switch for your dog to just chill out, stop being pushy, take a chill pill, go relax whenever you hear that cue. It can become a really powerful cue to use in everyday life when you teach it through play. So don't skip these two cues. They're very important. All right, so we're about to play. We're going to use our ready or whatever cue you want when we indeed are ready. And that means having a long line on our dog because we need to allow them to move about and be free, but we also need to make sure that we can enforce our human-to-dog rules. So we need something attached to our dog that we can grab and have on hand to control how crazy they get or (laughs) what decisions they decide to make during the game, all right? So always have a long line on your dog when you're teaching a new game and playing a new game with your dog. Then you're going to have your tug toy in hand. And that can be really anything you want. Anything you want that you can hold and your dog can hold the other end of it. You don't have to go out and buy like a two-handled tug with a made of leather material or anything like that. You can play with whatever, whatever suits your fancy. It doesn't really matter. Just pick something that your dog can generally hold on to, right? That matters. We need to allow our dogs to hold it and grip it. And something that you can hold on to. So it can't be so short that once it's in the dog's mouth, you can't grab it. So be smart here. Just pick something that you like and that your dog likes and that allows you to actually play tug. And then you also want to be somewhere where you can both move around and be loud. So the backyard or a park field. But you also want to make sure that there's very little distractions so that your dog has the easiest time focusing on you and the game. Make sure your dog has gone potty first too, right? We want them to not have really anything else on their mind that would take them out of the game. and We don't want anything else around them that would take them out of the game that would draw their attention away from us because that thing over there is way too exciting. All right, so you're all set up. You actually are ready and you gave your I'm about to start playing with you cue. So for me and Loki, that would be ready. And then what I want you to do is start the game by saying get it and making the tug toy come to life. So I want you to imagine that the tug toy is a squirrel and it's juking through the grass and it's jumping up in the air. You want to make that toy move and act like prey to entice your dog to chase it and grab it with their mouth. So wave it around, smack it against your palm or smack it on the ground, then lay it on the ground and snatch it away really quick and do all of the things, all of the movements, the fun movements that a squirrel would do. And I want you to do this until your dog grabs the toy or goes for the toy with their mouth. If they go for it, I do want you to allow them to get it and grab hold of it with their mouth. Remember, this is teaching your dog tug. So your dog needs to be able to get the toys, right? So do the teasing to get them to want to play with you. But once they actually start trying, you want to let them actually get a hold of the toy. Now for my timid shy or anxious dogs, they may not try to grab the toy at all. What I want you to do if you have that type of dog where you're playing and the dog's just kind of like sitting there looking at you, not really engaging with you, I want you to keep your energy up. This is crucial for these dogs. You must be sincere that you are having the best time of your life and this is the best game ever. And you must keep that up 
for about 15 minutes. Now, that's a long time. I don't know if you've ever run around in your yard for a solid 15 minutes acting like a goofball. That takes a decent amount of stamina, especially if you're trying to give off the perception that you're having the time of your life. When you're trying to show that something's super fun and really engaging and the person or the entity that you're trying to show that to isn't giving you any of that energy back, it's so easy to get sucked down and into their energy state. But what I need you to do is keep it really high and keep your emotions really happy and excited. You can't give in to the timid shyness that you're seeing. You need to keep it really up high and elevated. And this is because for my timid, shy, and anxious dogs, they need time to shed their fears their anxieties, and slowly let the fun and happy emotions that you're giving off in. It's going to take them time to go through that process and feel comfortable enough and trusting enough to go ahead and play with you. So you got to keep that energy up and that sincerity that you're having the best time of your life persistent throughout the playtime or throughout that 15 minutes. Now, if they don't play with you at all during those 15 minutes, that is okay. You didn't do anything wrong if you stayed high energy and sincere the entire time. There is nothing wrong with your dog either if they didn't play. All that means is that it shows you how closed or shut down they are and how much they really, truly need to play. They need this outlet to shed the insecurities and the anxieties that they're harboring on a daily, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. So do not give up on them. After those 15 minutes, if your dog didn't play with you, all I want you to do is just say your game over cue, which I like all done, to let your dog know that playtime is over, And then just go hang out with your dog on the ground together. Calmly pet them. Let them explore the toy if they want to. If they don't want it, then they don't want it. That's fine. All I want you to do is just sit there, spend some time together, and just bond. Do that for about five, maybe ten minutes. Then try again the next day. And then the next day. And then the next day. Your dog will play. I promise you that. But depending on how closed down they are, it's just going to take them time to shed those heavy-weighted feelings and let in those fun, happy feelings and feel like they can trust that environment and that it's a safe space and that you're being sincere enough to be goofy and engage with you themselves. Now, these cuddles well, at least that's what I call them, (laughs) at the end of the game, goes for both times when your dog does play with you as well as when they don't. So that's the time at the end of the game, whether they played with you or not, when the game is over, that's the time when you get to bond over the fact that you had a really good game or you enjoyed playing with your dog. All of those happy, content emotions and chemicals that your dog experiences post play gets associated with you when you do your cuddles after playtime and that further strengthens your bond so that's all going to happen once your dog gets playing when you do cuddles that's what you're going to reap the benefits of that's where you're going to get that super boost to your relationship where you become the center of your dog's world they love spending time with you and it's just a nice decompression time that you do together Now, when the moment does happen that your dog goes for the toy to grab it, I want you to pull back with the same amount of force that they are pulling away from you with, okay? And this is key to teaching tug as a game. You never want your dog to think that it will be impossible to win the toy from you because you started out playing at your full strength. Instead, what I want you to do is increase your dog's confidence in their ability to win by only using the same strengths that they're applying against you. So if they're doing like little tiny tug, 
then you're just going to take your two fingers and just little tiny tug back, okay? Don't overpower them because that's going to shut them down and make them think that they're never going to win and then they don't want to play with you because they think that you're too good, essentially. And here's the most important part of playing this game. You got to let your dog win. When you put your big ego aside and you let your dog win, I mean, we know that you're stronger. Well, depending on how big your dog is or how tough your dog is, you might not be stronger. But (laughs) this is not about showing how tough you are. It's about showing your dog their toughness. And so you want to allow your dog to win. You want to show them that they're tough and they're powerful. And the way that you do that is letting go of the toy when they're pulling and actively trying to win it from you. You want them to feel like they just won because of the effort that they just put into trying to get that toy back. If you let go when they're just holding onto the toy, then they don't get that surge of accomplishment. Instead, they think that you just kind of gave up and that makes the game no fun and you're no fun to play with because you're not actually trying. You just kind of are there. So the key here is letting them win at the moment where they are truly trying. And that's how we start to build up that confidence, that power and perseverance in our dogs. When we're holding on to that toy and pulling back with the same intensity that they're pulling away from us with. And then all of a sudden we feel them pull a little bit harder and we let go. They suddenly realize that they just won that toy because they were so tough and they were so strong and they persevered and they just tried a little bit harder and that's how they won. So those are the moments where you got to just feel out the game, feel when they're pulling that little extra bit and those are the moments when I want you to purposely let go. When you purposely let go and your dog wins, do not try to grab the toy back right away. I know it's very instinctual. We're playing tug of war. They just won and you want to instinctively just reach out and snag it. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to let them enjoy their victory. Some dogs, once they win that toy back, are going to run away with it. And they're just going to like prance around the yard. And essentially they're saying, look at me. Look how strong I am. Look at this thing that I won. Everyone look at me right now. I'm amazing. Okay, we want that to happen. Some other dogs will shake it. So they'll shake the toy vigorously back and forth. That's them going into prey and them killing their win or killing the animal. They'll do that. Some of them will just go trot away and then they'll lay down and they'll start chewing on it. Again, that's another prey type behavior after they've caught their prey. That's what they would be doing. But all of those behaviors are them reveling in their victory and whatever it is we want them to revel in that moment so use your voice to praise them for their victory oh you're so tough you're so strong wow look at you you're so amazing right they may bring it back to you right away depending on the dog depending on your relationship they might want to go for round two right off the bat right and if they do then i want you to go right back into playing tug with them if they come right back into your space with the toy But if they don't, then just let them revel in that moment. And after they've been enjoying their win for about a minute or so, then I want you to restart the game or go for round two by just neutrally walking back to them, reaching down, getting a hold of the toy, and then beginning the battle again. So your energy should change from, I'm just walking over to you neutrally, I'm going to reach down, I'm going to grab the toy, and then it should escalate and your voice should go up your sound should get silly and crazy oh i'm gonna get in oh you're so tough who's gonna get it right you should sound like a goofball like let's be honest that's what this is all about you can then choose to let your dog win again or you can win it but don't make this a pattern of I win, then you win, then I win, then you win all right we want who wins to be very random and more importantly The dog should be winning more than you do, so they always feel encouraged to start another round of the battle with you and let you try. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me because this is a podcast, but let you try to win, okay? When you do want to win, when you're like, okay, I've let my dog win like four times in a row. I'm going to win it this time. You want to make sure that you do that 
by being just one level or one degree stronger than your dog. Okay? Don't completely overpower them because this is going to make them feel like winning against you is impossible. Right? When they think winning against you is impossible, they would then rather possess the toy then try to battle with you over it, right? And then we kind of are veering into the land of resource guarding and we don't want that. What I want you to do is just edge them so that they believe if they tried just a little bit harder, then they might have kept the battle going and you wouldn't have won in that moment because you only just barely with a slightly stronger pull want it from them. All right. And then when they think that they could have just tried that little bit harder to keep the battle going, they actually start to try a little bit harder. When you do another battle, you'll notice, oh, they're actually pulling a little bit more this time because they believe that if they had tried that little bit harder, they might have kept the battle going or better yet, they might have won. Right. And this is where we start to build up that confidence, build up that perseverance, okay? When you win the toy, now it's your turn to revel in your victory, all right? You want to wave the toy around and have fun with it, mimicking essentially what your dog would do if they won and encouraging them to try to outmaneuver you and get it back from you, all right? So if you're waving it around, I don't want you waving it around like up by your head or by your chest or anything. I want you to keep it low so they can try and sneaky get a grip of it again. This again is not about you saying, hey, I have it. You can't ever get this back, right? This is about reveling in your victory, being happy that you won, but giving your opponent the opportunity to try and beat you again, right? It's all about giving your opponent the opportunity back. So tease your dog with it by putting it down on the ground and then snatching it away and putting it down on the other side of you and then snatching it away. So it's low to the ground so they can try and go for it. It's still for a couple seconds before it suddenly moves. And you can do that a couple times. And as your dog is going for the tug toy, as it's steady, you can snatch it away one or two times. But you want to make sure that you are giving them that opportunity to battle again. So maybe on the third time that they make an attempt for it, just keep it there, let them grab it, and then you can go to battle again. And then this game just goes on and on. Mainly, your dog should be winning, but you play as many rounds as you like or really as long as you can muster because this does take stamina. I do get tired because Loki is really good at it now. So I actually have to try really hard during this game and I get pretty winded, not going to lie. But you can take breaks if you do get winded like me or if your dog just gets hot. Be careful. You don't want to be overheating your dog. You can take mini cuddles in the middle of playtime, right? You can do as many mini cuddles as you want. You can do a mini cuddle after each round for all I care. But make sure that we're still going back to the game and those cuddles aren't so long as the one that I talked about where you do it at the end of playtime. That's like five or ten minutes long do mini cuddle sessions so those should only be like one to two minutes of relaxing and then you go back to playing tug again now when you're both exhausted and happy and you're tired your dog is tired then that's when you want to end your session make sure you let your dog win for that final round and let them revel in their toy and when they do win it that's when you want to say you're all done and remember when you say this you must mean it right? So don't start playing again or try to get the tug toy from them. You need to be done in order for them to understand what that cue actually is. Eventually, they'll lose interest in the tug toy and you can go pick it up. But for now, just let them have it. And what you want to do is do your cuddles. Go and sit with your dog and calmly pet them. Remember, we're not trying to amp them up right now. We are all done. So we're doing nice, calm strokes. We're just sitting on the ground, cuddling with our dog. They can have the toy in their mouth and be chomping on it or whatever but we're just hanging out and decompressing for five to 10 minutes. After a few days of playing like this, you can then begin to ask your dog to drop the tug in the middle of a battle before continuing, okay? So here's the golden nugget of teaching tug. You can start to teach your dog to drop things on command. See, now are you happy you listened to this episode? <laughs> so you do this by... Battling with your dog 
with the tug. So you, the tug's being whipped around and you're trying really hard to pull it and they're trying hard to pull it. And what you do when you want to start to teach your dog to drop it is you grasp the tug tightly with both hands and you pull it in to the center of your body. I usually pull it in right towards my hip and I press it into my hip. I stop its movement so the toy isn't moving at all. My dog can be trying to rip it away from me, but it's being held tightly against my hip, against my center of gravity. And I'm going to calm my body language down. I'm not going to be acting all silly and goofy and excited. I'm going to take some breaths. I'm going to be nice and calm. My tone is going to change and I'm going to say, drop it or whatever word you want. I actually don't say drop it. I say mine. Uh, a lot of people also use the word out. You pick whatever one you want. So say your word, nice, authoritative, but again, calm way. So you'd say, drop it. And as soon as your dog lets go, and I mean immediately after they let go, you need to say, get it, and encourage them to grab it again by holding it out for them to go grab, okay? Your dog will let go. It may take... Five seconds, it may take a whole minute if you're standing there where the tug toy is just pressed against your hip or your thigh or whatever, and it's their dog's trying to continue to play, but you're just standing there and you're not playing. You're just being like a pole or a statue and nothing's happening. Some dogs, it takes a while because they're so ammed up about the game that they just keep trying and trying and trying, and they don't really realize what's going on. So just stand there, be nice and still. If your dog's really, really strong, get yourself in a position where you can keep that tug toy close to your body so it's not moving about ahead of you because if it is, your dog's going to think that you're still playing and they're not going to drop it. The reason why the tug has to be nice and tight to your body and very still is because it needs to play off of their instinctual knowledge that the prey has died. Like the prey is dead. It's not going to move anymore. So I don't need to be so vigorous in trying to grab it or keep hold of it, I can actually let go of it. It's not going to go anywhere. So that's why we need to keep it nice and still and sturdy against our body. As soon as they realize that, that's when they'll start to just relax and they'll start to let the toy go. When they fully let it go, I want you immediately to say, get it and put the toy back out there for them to grab. Okay. And this is key. They must learn that dropping it does not mean that the playtime is over, that they're going to lose access to the toy. What it actually means is the opposite. It means that you're going to continue playing. You're not going to continue playing until they let go, but they don't realize that. So we need to teach them that releasing the toy on command is actually a good thing. It's how we get the game to keep going again. All right. After a week of practicing drop it while you're battling, you can then begin ending your sessions this way if you do need to get that toy back. But make sure you're always doing cuddles because those are so important. And don't ask your dog to drop it all the time. I want you, if you're working on teaching your dog to drop it, I want you to do it one, maybe three times max while you're playing. And that's it. Don't overdo it. Because the point of play is to actually play and have fun. It's not about having your dog stop all the time, right? So I want you to only do that a handful of times, just a couple of times to get your dog to understand and learn it over a few play sessions, right? We're not teaching this all in one play session. This is over a couple of them. So have some impulse control on your end to not do that all the time. And that's tough. It's a battle, but it's a game. After playing it for a few weeks, you'll start to see that your dog actually wants to bring the tug back to you after they win it because the fun truly is in the battle. Or even if they don't bring it back into your space, they kind of come near you because they want to get back to that fighting part of the game. That's the fun part. That's the best part for them. And they're not really out there to possess the toy at all costs. They seek out the challenge, which actually translates to other areas of your dog's life where perhaps they may have felt uncertain before. They're now feeling more powerful and capable because in this aspect of my life, when I'm playing this game, I've learned that I can overcome challenge. And so now maybe I'm capable of overcoming this different challenge that at first I didn't think I was. That's how we get to reap all those benefits of building up confidence in our dogs. That's the 
really the true power of teaching dogs to play tug, which is why I like it so much for our shutdown or insecure or fearful or timid dogs. It really opens them up and makes them realize how capable they really are. As promised, our second game is fetch, but I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to save that for part two. I know I'm sorry to do this to you, but you now have a game that I want you to focus on playing right now, okay? Work on playing tug for me because the foundations of the tug game will help tremendously when we start to teach our dogs the game of fetch. And then just tune in for part two. So then when we get to part two, we can apply those foundations into this next game. Also, secretly, I kind of don't want you playing both games at the same time. It uh, sometimes can be confusing for the dog if we're learning how to do something for the first time and then also trying to teach them. And we're also doing that two times over. It can create a lot of confusion on the dog's end. So it actually is quite helpful for you guys to just focus on one rather than focus on playing two games at once. So sorry, I'm going to be a little bit of a gatekeeper, but not for long. And it's going to come out in the next episode. I'm going to teach you how to play fetch in the next one. I promise. All right. Post your games in the Facebook group. If you do go out and play tug with your dog, I want to see it so posted in the Facebook group. I'll post mine in there too so that you can feel less embarrassed about acting like a goofball. You can see me completely, totally act like a goofball. And so hopefully that will make you feel a little bit better about putting a video out there of yourself goofing around with your dog. At this point, honestly, I don't really give a shit what I look like or sound like anymore when I'm playing. I'm having literally the best time and my dog is having the best time and that's all that matters so I don't really care what I sound or look like if you enjoyed this episode found some value in it share it with a fellow dog owner and then subscribe them to the show so that they get notifications of future episodes and so that they can practice tug and then learn how to play fetch in the next episode then log into their Facebook and add them to the my canine coach podcast private group so that they can join our awesome community there and they can watch your video and my video of us playing tug with our dogs and laugh at our goofy asses playing tug. (laughs) If you'd like to get in touch with me about training or to give feedback, the best way to do that is by visiting my website, myk9coach.com and requesting a consultation or by sending me an email at caninecoachdana at gmail.com, both of which are listed in the show notes. I do have an email list, which people who are on the email list get updates on when the show drops. They also get a newsletter in the middle of the month that recaps all of the highlights or the important notes of each episode so that you don't have to go back and listen to the full episode. You can just go to the email and read the highlights there. So if you want those, go to my website and subscribe and join my email list. Please, please, please like and review this episode to help the show grow. And I'll see you next time when we talk about teaching our dogs to play fetch. Loki and I are going to go outside and play tug. <laughs>